The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the monthly guest Dharma series. So, in case you didn't hear, I wanted to, <laughs> I'd like to speak about generosity because it's something that's happening right in our midst, and this beautiful place is here to serve all of you because of the generosity of all of you and many more people who have given to this place. And it's such a great, beautiful circle that happens. The Dharma is given, and out of gratitude there's generosity, and because of that there's an ability to give more, and then there's more generosity. So there's uh, this circle that's always happening here that's so beautiful. And what I wanted to speak about this evening was not only how generosity is helping those that receive your generosity, but how it's helping yourself as well on the road to liberation, the path to liberation. So it's about contributing to other people's happiness and welfare, coming to understand how that contributes to our own happiness, to our own welfare, to our own spiritual well-being. And this is a very important aspect of the path to know about. It opens the way to the path. And I'll, I'll show you and let you know the various different ways that it's such a beautiful opening for each one of us. It's onward leading, it said, and it's talked about in the ancient scriptures. It's towards onward leading towards finding true happiness and peace. Not just the peace in the moment of giving, but it's, it goes further than that. The Buddha said that there are two kinds of rare and precious beings in this world. Those who are grateful and those who are generous. In the suttas, we read that the Buddha would offer the Dhamma in a gradual way when he was invited to a family or to a group of people to speak. He would speak first on the practice of generosity. And then when that group really received that practice and understood it in their hearts to the best they could, uh, then he would speak about the value of leading a life of harmony by following the precepts, by taking the training in the precepts of non-harming. And then after that, then he would teach meditation. And so, you know, when the Dharma came to the West, there were so many of us, because it's such kind of a psychological society, a society that's very interested in the mind, um, when, the Buddha, when the teachings of the Buddha were brought to the West, meditation was the thing. You know, it was like everybody was interested in meditation. And so I found, myself, I started in, on the path in the 70s. I hadn't heard about this practice of generosity and why it's so important nor did I hear as many talks on sila or living in harmony, which I'm sure that there's a lot of that teaching here in this, in this center. Um, but now we're, we're kind of catching up with all those years. And the, the understanding about generosity is such an important one for us. The Buddha said that it is the beginning practice for those who wish to diminish the forces of suffering. So it's one of the three foundations of our spiritual development. One of my teachers, Manindraji, 
when he came to the West, he said that there are three pillars of the Dharma. The first pillar is a pillar of dana. Dana means giving, means generosity. The second pillar is a pillar of uh, sila, or uh, taking the training to live in harmony with one another, and also then we're, we live more harmoniously with our own hearts as well. And the third training is, uh, the third pillar is the pillar in bhavana, or the development of the mind. And this is in two parts, the development of concentration and then the development of wisdom. And he taught me at that time, uh, long ago, that if you don't have these three pillars, it's not a very sturdy foundation from which to kind of develop your, your uh, spiritual life that it's really important to understand all of these three pillars. So, this Dhamma, this, under, this truth that the Buddha talked about, the truth of how it is, is teaching us in a gradual way how to really make this foundation very strong in our lives. So, what we really want to do is to be able to establish each of these foundations in a very conscious way, in a, very, in a way that brings intentionality to it. Not just in a way, well, when it's in front of us, then, okay, you know, we'll listen, but, and we'll take it in, and maybe we'll practice it when we're prompted. When, we're, when we can do it with a lot of intention, it has a lot more wholesome karmic results for us. Manindra used to say, don't minimize the importance of generosity. It's such a strong pillar and it's a great one to start out with on the path. Because when we start out with the path, we're on the path, we're beginning to learn how to let go. When you look at the kind of the basic structure of all the of all of these pillars, uh, what makes them up, it's all about letting go. It's all about letting go of basically greed, hatred, and delusion. And when we give, that's in that moment we're letting go. It's a very powerful moment for us. When we look at how we live our lives, we can see that our existence in life depends upon the kindness and generosity of others. And so, in a way... Uh, the existence of others also depends on the kindness and generosity of ourselves. I read recently where His Holiness the Dalai Lama said, since the beginning of when we were born, we had to depend on the kindness and the generosity of our caregivers, parents or other caregivers. And then we, when we get old, decrepit and we can't do things for ourselves, we again begin to depend on the generosity and kindness of others. And so what happens in the middle? You know, so we just let those two kind of stand out. We receive in the beginning, we receive in the end. So in the middle, it's our time to be able to give, to be able to also serve others during that time. So this is a kind of innate wisdom, actually, that we all have when we think 
when we can take time to really reflect and, and think about it. When we're generous and we connect with others, what we also connect with is our own hearts, the, the own, our own potential to be free in that moment. Because in that moment when we give, we feel a moment of loving kindness. We might feel a moment of compassion. We might feel a moment of joy because someone's receiving a gift and we see their joy and we're happy too. It's also a moment of equanimity because one of my teachers says when we're giving, it's like we have to give something of ourselves and it's easier to let go when we don't, we aren't holding on, when we don't have attachment. There's no reactivity, so there's equanimity in the mind. So in that way you can see that we're, we are uh, cultivating what you probably many of you have learned about the four Brahma Viharas. We're cultivating loving kindness, compassion, joy, equanimity. It's a very, very rich time, that moment for us. It engenders this very stable sense of interconnectedness, you know, where, where we feel so connected by by the giving and, and the receiving. Um, and the gratitude, that circle that's always happening, that we feel that we're kind of held in this beautiful web of love, of uh, inter-caring for one another. In Hawaii, uh, where I live, our elders, called the kapuna, acknowledge how by our breath we're intricately and infinitely connected, just by our breath. And so when we greet one another in Hawaii, we say aloha. You know that word, aloha. It means love, it means hello, it means goodbye, it means with care, you know, to, to um, do it with aloha, they say, do it with lots of care. So the, the piece of that word that means breath is ha, ha, aloha. And in the olden times and even now uh, some of our elders when we when we greet them they they go to one side of your face and they go to your ear ha and then on the other side they embrace you and the side of your cheeks are t- touching and they say ha also on that side and what that means is I share with you the breath of life I'm sharing my life with you and so we feel this kind of deep connection with our community, with the people who are right nearby us. And we know there's a sense of, we know there's always going to be that, that help, that connection, and people that we can also give to. It's a life force, this breath. I share my breath with you, I share my life with you, and it's saying, without you, I cannot really live completely. It's like, because of this sharing, we need one another as human beings. So, one of my friends uh, is connected with the Hawaii State Legislature and presented to me this part of the general provisions of the state of Hawaii, which has um, some 
writing in it about how to use the Aloha Spirit. And this is from the General Provisions 5.5-7.5. It is actually in the General Provisions of the State of Hawaii. <laughs> so I want to read it to you. Aloha Spirit is a coordination of mind and heart within each person. Each person must think and emote good feelings to others. In the contemplation and presence of the life force, aloha, the following unuhi laulaloa must be used. Those are just Hawaiian words meaning um, recommendations. And the first one starting with A in the, in the word aloha, akahai, meaning kindness to be expressed with tenderness. And the second L in the word lokahi means unity to be expressed with harmony. Oluolu means agreeable to be expressed with pleasantness. Haahaa meaning humility to be expressed with modesty. Anonui meaning patience to be expressed with perseverance. These are traits of character that express the charm warmth and sincerity of Hawaii's people. It was, it was the working philosophy of Native Hawaiians. Aloha is more than a word of greeting or, for, or farewell or a salutation. Aloha means mutual regard and affection and extends warmth and caring with no obligation in return. Aloha is the essence of relationships in which each person is important to every other person for our collective existence. Now, I don't know any other place in the world with, where that is in the general provisions. There is a lot of aloha in, in Hawaii, but of course, there are other things we have to be challenged with as well. So for our collective existence, of course, we give to one another. And um, sometimes just in our own quietness when we're in nature, we can see that the whole earth is, is giving us all the time. You know, the, there's this generosity of the oxygen coming from the trees. We were recently at, uh, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Koinonia, Koinonia, and that is a, um, a retreat center out in, uh, I guess it's in Wisconsin, isn't it? No, it's in Minnesota? Okay. And while we were out there, it's a beautiful area, many, many trees, and there are lakes there. I'm told there's the deepest lake in Minnesota there, Lake Sylvia. And it was a place where... Uh, the Native American Indians did a lot of peaceful gatherings there. So it, the land has a lot of gravitas and a lot of aloha and a lot of feeling of harmony and love. And every evening when I would walk down the road to my little cottage there, trees are just all over. And there was this really, this great sense of the trees giving their oxygen all the time. I wouldn't be able to breathe if that weren't happening. We wouldn't be able to breathe. So this generosity just so silently all around us, is it something that we can 
really uh, recognize how much is being given to us without asking for anything in return. But we can give something back to the earth. We can give our care and our discernment and our intelligence and do the right thing for Mother Earth. There's so much we can do in generosity back to this earth. So sometimes, you know, it's not such an easy teaching in the West because a lot of um, happiness in the West has a lot to do with material acquisition, um, you know, having a great career, social status, education, of course, this is all good. And this is what we want for ourselves, our family, our children. But in the spiritual realm, generosity really has to do on the deepest sense. It has to do with letting go. It has to do with diminishing the forces of attachment, craving, and clinging. Those things that cause us in our hearts harm and harm to others as well. Now, I'm not talking about the attachment we have to our families and our children. That's healthy. It, it can get unhealthy, too, as well. But for the most part, it's, it's pretty healthy. I'm talking about the ways we cling to things that are unhealthy for us. Or we may crave for them, not knowing that really they'll cause harm in the long run. It's about really intelligently letting go. Every moment of generosity is letting go of not just greed, but hatred and delusion as well. Because in, in the letting go, we're not just letting go of holding on, but we're also letting go of any kind of aversion that may be there. There tends to be more metta or loving kindness in a moment of giving. We're letting go of delusion when we do it with... Um, with conscious intention because when we just willy-nilly give uh, out of habit or out of because it, it seems like it's expected of us or because it's a cultural thing to do, then we're not really giving with conscious intention. Said to give with really conscious intention, the karma of that is really strong. I'll talk about the karma of giving little while. So this dana or generosity is on many of those Buddhist lists, you know, the list of the three and the five and the seven. It's the first on the list of the qualities of a beautiful human being or a human being that is um, cultivating inner beauty. It's the first of what are called the paramis, uh, Paramis are these qualities of mind that lead us to liberation. And just some of the other ones are generosity, uh, of generosity other than that are patience, equanimity, uh, balanced energy, wisdom, truthfulness. And it was interesting that one of my colleagues, Roger Walsh, um, from the University of California in Irvine, California, uh, he he studies anthropology and professor of, he's a professor of philosophy. He studied all the central practices of awakening the heart and the mind, 
of all the um, religious and philosophical groups that he researched that had compassionate philosophies. He found that generosity was on every single one of those uh, lists of compassionate, um, compassionate and wise ways to grow in your spiritual life. Generosity was in all of those lists of all those groups. Manindra, my first teacher in the Dharma, and he continued to be till he died, um, was a very generous person, and he would quote this to me. He quoted this to me several times during his lifetime about generosity because he really wanted me to understand it. This is from the Buddha's teachings and the Buddha's words, actually. He said, If beings knew, as I know, the results of sharing gifts, they would not enjoy their use without sharing them with others, nor would the taint of stinginess obsess their hearts. And even if it were their last and final bit of food, they would not enjoy its use without sharing it if there were anyone to receive it. He was of such an example of this, such a pure example of this. I really learned how he took this to heart because um, there was a time that he stayed with us and I was taking care of him because he had undergone some surgery and he was recovering. And I had to leave him during the day because I went to work. And I would uh, have lunch for him or I'd bring him lunch from someplace and then I'd leave again and come back. At, in the afternoon and several many times I would see these little plates on the ground um, and they would have little bits of, of food in them he always had rice so I knew Menandro was giving something you know to maybe the insects so I asked him what is this and he would say oh there was no one to give to so I gave to the insects and so he would share his, a little bit of his food, you know, to the insects. And then it got to be a terrible problem because we had so many bugs. But there was a cat and the dog he could give to also. But if I were around or one of the kids were around or any one of us in the family, he would, when, when he would be eating, he would put a spoonful on our plate and he'd say, please take some. Or he would peel the banana and he would just kind of shove it towards my face and I open my mouth, you know. He would really want me to receive it because it, that was important, you know. Actually, it's so important when somebody gives you something, it's so important for their karma for you to receive it. So it's, it's very hard for me not to receive a gift. I, I can't not receive a gift because for their karma, it's so good. And then... If I receive, like, with great gratitude, just because they're giving me, then it's even better for, for them. It makes it more powerful, they say. So, giving any time, even a little bit, is good. You know, just to give a, even a little. So what the Buddha and other great beings knew, of course, about the results of sharing was this, is that it's so life-transforming because you can see that it brings happiness to another, it brings happiness to oneself. 
and he talks about sharing and giving many times and uh, kind of quoting the Buddha as um, being a big part of developing a mind of non-clinging, getting used to that kind of space in the mind that doesn't have to hold on. There's a lot of things we, we don't have to hold on to. it. They don't have to be great big things that we give away and cause us suffering because we don't have it anymore. There are different kinds of giving. There's kingly or queenly giving when you give something that's really valuable to you. And then there's kind of what they call businessman's giving or when you give something because you're kind of getting something too or you're, you might be expecting something in return as well. And then there's um, miserly giving or beggarly giving when you give something that, you know, you, maybe you look in your closet for things you were going to throw away anyway and that's what you give. So when you give something, if you can give something that you can, you really treasure, that's great if you can. But anything you give away is fine. It can be something that you are going to give away any, anyway. And that also has lots of wonderful, um, wholesome karma producing in it. My little, um, my daughter, she's about six feet tall now, but when she was little, about four years old, I tried to convince her, she had so many teddy bears, and I tried to convince her to, can we just give them, there's, to the Salvation Army, there's, there's a lot of poor kids, and they don't have... Um, things like you have. You have so many beautiful things. What about if we gathered them some and we took them to the Salvation Army? And she said, okay, she got convinced of it. You know, she was hearing these teachings with me, with Manindraji. So she got them together and she had that little kid's push cart, you know, that it's all different colors and it's like you're shopping, but it's, it's small. But she had it all piled up with the things that she wanted to give. So we were going to the Salvation Army. And, um, and Manindra had taught us, you know, to really give personally. That's one of the things I'm, I'm going to mention. It's really powerful when you give in person and you say, I give this to you because you're right there. You're giving with your two hands and it's such a powerful act. You know, anything that's acted out, any wholesome or unwholesome mind state that's acted out has very powerful karma, more powerful karma when you, in generosity, when you give it personally and you give wholeheartedly and with two hands, they say. So we went to the Salvation Army and she, she carried her little thing, you know, up the two or three steps and we got there and she stood there at the door and she was expecting all the little kids to be sitting there waiting. She said, Mom, where are the kids I'm going to give to? She thought they'd be right there so she could give each you know, one of her things to each one of them. So, sorry to disappoint you, but we'll just leave them here and they'll get to, the, to your friends later on. But she, even just as a little girl, she learned how important this was to do that and she still she does that still she gives in person and um, yeah lots of times I remember that of her so during that time that Manindraji was 
recovering from surgery, he asked me if I understood the value of the generosity that I was practicing with him. And I didn't know much more than I was very grateful to be able to have the opportunity to give to him. He was He's known as one of our Dharma treasures, you know, in, in the circles of the Dharma that we have. And so I, I just thought, well, it, it's easy because I, I care for you, I love you, I want you to get well, and um, it, it doesn't take much to do that. And so he wanted to give me a teaching. Uh, he said, you can practice in two ways. The first way you can practice is without full understanding of what you're doing and the karmic results of that. And the second way you can practice is with complete, full understanding of what you're doing and the karmic results of that. So you can practice uh, with wisdom or without wisdom. So which way do you want to practice? So, well, of course, you know, said, I want to practice with wisdom. Let me know how to do that. So he said, in the first way, uh, without full understanding of what you're doing, you're just doing because, it, of course, you're a kind person, and you do it for people you love, even people you don't love sometimes. You will still reap the positive karmic benefits of giving, uh, <clears throat> but they become more powerful if you do it wisely and you know what you're doing but the first way the wholesome action of giving produces wholesome results for the giver of course and the receiver has something happy to receive and and joyfully and gratefully receive the second way you can practice with full understanding he said you're still reaping the positive karmic benefits the cause and effect relationship when you give it's a circle it comes back to you but also knowing the deep and far-reaching implications of how generosity helps to weaken the tendencies of greed and craving and clinging that holding on in our hearts it's not just holding on to material things or holding on to how we think it should be or holding on to that we think we're right, um, but it's it's just holding on. In particular, when we see it in our hearts, it's really painful. It's really painful. So it helps to weaken those tendencies. And when one knows that and brings a conscious attention to that, with every moment of giving, when we know it's not only helping the receiver but it's helping one's own heart as well, it's much, much more powerful for us because we're weakening, we're weakening, we're weakening that one area that causes so much suffering in our lives. So powerful for us. So we wanted to bring me out of the limited realm of habit and into the light of wise attention so that it could be a conscious act, not just a, a willy-nilly kind of an act, but very, very conscious. I thought about how true it is that we give a lot out of symbolic gesture, out of routine, 
out of being nice, out of doing the right thing, of course. But when we understand how deep the implications are, how far-reaching it is, we can see that it's for our own good as well, in a very, very deep way. So I was interested in doing the practice with more awareness. And I was interested in liberation, and I am interested in liberation. So the first aim of generosity is uh, to free others of their worry, of their discomfort, of their suffering in the present and in the future, perhaps, and to bring happiness and comfort to their lives. But the second aim is to free ourselves, because when we practice, there's a movement of the heart to let go, to stop being so tight around what's going on in our lives. So it's not a selfish act. It's not selfish because in that moment we're sharing ourselves with others. Said that in the laws of cause and effect, karma, the karmic results of generosity are greater ease for ourselves. That's kind of the full circle of it. Greater ease and or abundance on the material level, or on just the heart easeful level. It's depending on what is being offered and how it's being offered, of course. I have an aunt, um, my Auntie Esther, uh, long since gone, who used to say to me, cast your bread upon the waters and you'll get back a casserole. (laughs) Uh, She was a a very practical and a very devout Christian. And even there, you know, just that circle she was telling me about and and talking about karma also. So on the external level, it frees others of suffering, uh, gives them happiness. On the internal level, it frees ourselves of the suffering of attachment. So the results are far-reaching. The movement of the heart towards non-clinging It weakens a strong, self-centralized sense of self. You know, when we're just so self-centered, it's all about me. Achan Cha, one of our great uh, Thai force masters, would say, if you don't understand not-self, you can start by understanding non-selfishness. Good place to start. He continued to say, do everything with the mind that lets go. Do not expect praise or reward. If you let go a little, you will have a little peace. If you let go a lot, you will have a lot of peace. If you let go completely, you will have complete peace and freedom, the deepest liberation. So when we give of ourselves, it's not just giving material things, it's giving of our time our heart, our energy, which is, has been done in, in great abundance here because you can see the results of it all around. Letting go brings not just um, happiness in the moment, but in the long term. Because uh, if you think about a moment of when you let go in the past of something, when you gave in the past, when you think of it now, it brings your heart ease and comfort and joy again. Just thinking of those moments when you can just be with a friend and keep your heart open 
or you could just sit with somebody and while they were uh, talking or you could give something to someone share your food with someone there's so many little ways that we can ponder on it it's said it's not only in retrospect that we can think of it in this way but even when we uh, before we give when you think about we're going to give something when you have a plan to give something to somebody just think of thinking about it sometimes you have joy in your heart and then at the time you give you you're also feeling joy in your heart and then afterwards of course joy again so it's said to be an act that can be completely surrounded by happiness so it takes so little to to do this to give at the monastery where i go to practice in burma there's a um a custom that you give to people who are who are practicing you give food so sometimes more than a year in advance people sign up to give a meal and um and when i've been practicing there i receive the the meal that people have given so generously and so that i and the other yogis the meditators can eat and keep practicing now in in burma where i practice in in thailand and in all the buddhist countries it's so this giving is so upheld that the donors come and they stand on the side while the meals being offered to us before we serve ourselves we kind of go in a line and, and take our food and then we go sit down and the there's a uh, the head monk says kind of a a blessing and then also uh says for all of us he guides all of us to uh, say to the donors sadhu 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 which means well done well done well done It's kind of a thank you also and um to share the the merit of all of our receiving to also share with them the merit of our receiving and our joy. And so this is really upheld and I felt like, "Oh, it must be embarrassing to stand there and and watch all of us eat and for all of us to know, oh, these are the donors, you know." But actually the donors don't feel that way. They're very happy. They're very kind of proud in 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 a way that, "Oh, not in that prideful way, but that they they could they had the resources to give something." to feed us sometimes it would be a number of people because they had to put the resources together and they would happily watch us eat they would just stand there and just kind of watch us put the food in our mouths and, and um energizing ourselves so we could practice so uh when i asked about this in the beginning i i was a little bit incredulous that in the beginning of my dharma practice wow it's so it, when you give it's kind of people put their names there on the board and everything i'd be a little bit um shy to do that and this is a teaching that comes uh from from the dharma the the dharma teachings from the buddha he advises that one gives a gift out of faith one gives a gift respectfully at the right time one gives a gift with a generous heart 
and one gives a gift without denigration. That means without denying its importance. So a friend of mine said that one time he went to Upandita, which was a, um, a monk in, in Burma, and you know he, offered, he wanted to offer him one of the four requisites. And part of the four requisites are, um, you know, you have to have some kind of robes and you have to have something to mend your robes when they're torn. And so that includes like a needle and some thread. And so he offered Sayadaw Upandita a needle. I guess he maybe he knew he needed a needle, you know, the kinds that we have in America. And so he offered him a needle. And Upandita received it as if he was receiving a monastery because of the act of giving that he really, he wanted to really honor that act of giving. It was so important that the person gave it. And of course he also gave, he was also very generous on a monetary level. But just to see that response of how highly he valued, not it's not about the gift, it's about the giving with the full heart. So it said that one who gives alms um, bestows four blessings to the receiver. Long life, and this is um, food alms, long life, good appearance, happiness, and strength. Therefore the same will be his or her share, whether among heavenly beings or human beings. So the same will come back. This is the law of cause and effect. There are five blessings that accrue to the giver of alms, the affection of many, noble associations, good reputation, self-confidence, and heavenly rebirths. Five ways of giving well. A person gives with deference and with respect. A person gives at the right time. A, A person gives with an open heart. A person gives fully. Like in, in Burma, when you offer something, you offer something with two hands, not just one hand. It's kind of a symbol of your giving with your whole heart and body. And these are the faults that taint almsgiving. Attachment to what has been given. Expecting fame uh, or reputation, a good reputation. Expecting material gain. Gives, one gives absent-mindedly or irreverently. One gives with arrogance or gives without goodwill. So that's why uh, when they say give kind of with that kind of faith in your heart. So the three root torments of the mind are abandoned. Not just attachment, but fear, ill will, aversion, delusion. I talked about that. So these are all the good reasons why to pay attention to giving is a good thing to do. Not just remembering the results for the receiver, that they'll be happy, but also for yourself. You know, It's a great relief to let go of even a moment of attachment. So they say it also becomes the basis for the development of spiritual powers and enlightenment factors. One of the chief um, patrons 
during the, the time of the Buddha uh, wrote this. This was recorded about what this person said. And this person was said to be a fully enlightened being, Vishaka. When I remember my acts of generosity, I shall be glad. When I am glad, I shall be happy. When the mind is happy, the body is tranquil. When the body is tranquil, I shall feel joy. When I feel joy, my mind will become concentrated and that will bring the development of the spiritual faculties and also the development of the spiritual powers and enlightenment factors within my own mind and heart. So the opportunities all around us are vast and they're right before our eyes. There's so many ways that we can give of ourselves and share our lives in even simple ways. Um, it just takes opening your eyes a little bit to see that, how that can be. So I'd like to end with this um, from His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. We're visitors on this planet. We're here for 90, 100 years at the very most. During that time, we must try to do something good, something useful with our lives. Try to be at peace with yourself and help others share that peace. If you contribute to other people's happiness, you will find the true goal, the true meaning of life. So let's sit for just a minute and and let those words dissolve. anybody has just a, a few questions if you have any responses or thoughts about that questions you have oh yes oh You would do it, and 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 can I say you resented her? But that that time, a little burdensome. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ah, oh, right. It actually brought you so much joy. You weren't aware of it. Yeah. You miss the giving. Yeah. That's beautiful to know about yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm glad you did that. So true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it brings joy. Thank you. I can't see. Yes, in the back there. Can you stand up? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. That's, that's a good thought and, and something that it would be good for me to include here in, in the Dharma talk the next time is how to show gratitude. And I think it's a matter of getting used to it, you know, because at first we're a little bit shy about how we might um, show our own joy in receiving. And uh, what did you do? What Do you remember when you had received something? and how you might have uh, shown your own joy or gratitude. And I know for myself that uh, I'm, I'm from the present. Yeah. And the age of the moment, which is what happens, so that demonstrates that gratitude. Yeah. 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 Being really present and being engaged, that's the first step, and it's probably all you really need in the moment. Because a lot of times, you know, the things we could feel are, oh, I'm not worthy, or, oh, you know, what does this mean now? Do I have to give something back, you know? Or it could, a lot of things can go through our mind. But if we just can say, this person is giving, and just remind ourselves, just be present to receive with the purity that they might be giving with. Yeah. So if you if you know, say for example it's your birthday, okay? I mean, here's a perfect way to practice it. It's your birthday and you're going to have a little celebration and you know people are going to be giving you something, giving you some gifts. Well, think about it ahead of time. Make an intention that uh, when when anything is given to me, my intention would be, may I receive with a full presence and may, may I be able to respond with a full presence.
you got reminded for yourself too. Yeah. 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 Well, those are all great examples. I'm glad you guys, all of you shared and it helps us to remember ourselves too. Wherever we are in this whole cycle of giving and receiving, we can probably, all of us, look a little more deeply and say, how can we get more pure in our hearts about it? This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. Thank you. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.